Welcome, friends, to Roundtable Radio, produced by Roundtable Writers, where artists support artists. Our multi-generational and multi-genre community is always open to new members. Go to www.roundtablewriters.org to learn more. If you enjoy our community and the projects we do, please consider donating the price of a monthly coffee by signing up on our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com slash roundtablewriters. Thanks for listening. From poetry and the profound to practical portraits of the writing life, from genres of the fantastic and romantic to matters of the stalwart dramatic, welcome to Roundtable Radio, a Roundtable Writer's production. Soft breeze is blowing, new green and glowing sun, warmly shining, melting the snow. Brook lets the hurry onward, they scurry down to the ocean gleaming below. Wake, oh my heart, and join in. New life is stirring, earth is reborn. For love is swelling, gay carouseling, sorrow and gold must go. Welcome everyone to the first episode of Roundtable Radio's monthly theme series. In this series, we'll discuss different aspects of writing and the life of a writer. Hey guys. I'm Brendan, and I've been a writer for the better part of 15 years. I started out as an actor with a lot of time on my hands and very few plays that I really wanted to be in. So I thought to myself, hey, why don't I just write a play? And that's how it all started. I've never looked back. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm Odin, and I'm the co-founder of Roundtable Writers. I'm a graduate from the Stone Coast MFA writing program, and I spend a lot of my time thinking about literature, ancient myth, psychology, socialist politics, science fiction, and dark academia. This month, we're going to take advantage of our timing and talk about National Novel Writing Month. We're going to talk to you about what NaNoWriMo is, what it means to win the event. It's not quite what you think. And offer some tips and tricks to help you get through the event while having as much fun as possible. But first, we're going to actually play a little game called What You Didn't Know, where uh, each of us brings to the table something that we learned this week that we never knew before. This could be uh, some sort of common knowledge or just a fun historical fact, something about writing or the world or just history. Uh, Brendan, why don't, why don't you start us off? Uh, okay, well, I am taking advantage of the fact that it's NaNoWriMo, and so I'm going to go with a linguistic fun fact here. Um, but Odin, I'm going to need a little assist on this one. All right. So um, just go ahead and do me a favor and say the word buffalo eight times. <laughs> okay. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. All right. Would it interest you to know <laughs> that you just said a grammatically correct sentence? No shit. Yep. <laughs> So this is a fun little play on words. Um, It uses actually three different kinds of buffalo. The first is a proper noun. In this case, specifically the city of Buffalo, New York. The second is the verb buffalo, which is an American English verb meaning to bully, harass, or intimidate. And lastly, we have the noun, buffalo or bison. So to put this in a little easier to understand version of the sentence bison from buffalo new york that other bison from buffalo new york bully also bully bison from buffalo new york 
Oh man, this this is incredible. I feel like this really shows up the strengths um, and probably the weaknesses of the English language. Oh man, seriously, I I I have a lot of sympathy for people learning English as a second language. <laughs> yeah, it's not I, a kind. Uh, I, it's not a kind language. I do not envy them. I do not envy them. <laughs> Well, uh, also keeping in uh, in the tradition of the National Novel Writing Month theme, I'm going to share a uh, little literary fact that I found. Ooh, I'm actually going yeah. to read this straight from the Guardian newspaper. Okay. Uh, this is a article that was published back in 2012 by Dahlia Alberge. How a bearded Virginia wolf and her band of jolly savages hoaxed the Royal Navy. <laughs> pretty good title i mean that's a great title (laughs) one of the most famous practical jokes in british military history has returned to haunt the royal navy more than a century later a previously unknown letter has serviced detailing the shriekingly funny dreadnought hoax of 7th february 1910 when members of the bloomsbury group of writers and artists donned beards and costumes to disguise themselves Mm. as abyssinian princes and gained access to the pride of the british naval fleet the letter was written by Horace D. Vercole, who described how he and five friends, including the novelist Virginia Woolf and the painter Duncan Grant, duped an admiral and the crew of the battleship HMS Dreadnought, a flagship of the home fleet. Hmm. Four of them pretended to be princes and two claimed to be their foreign office guides. Uh, even Wolf's cousin, one of the naval officers on board the ship, failed to recognize the author in her fake beard. <laughs> Once on board, the visitors were given the full red carpet treatment, a band played, the crew saluted them, and African flags were hoisted to the masthead. When invited to dine with the officers, they declined in their version of Swahili, seemingly translated by Wolf's brother, Adrian Steffen, because the food and drink had not been prepared correctly. The group actually feared that their fake beards would fall off. That's awesome. Reports of the hoax, three double-sided sheets long, made the newspapers a few days later and provoked questions in Parliament that led to a tightening of regulations for ceremonial parties. Uh, Well, yeah, I would think so. (laughs) So uh, that, I think, is one of my favorite hoaxes by a band of literary folks ever. And also, you can't really see it because we are, you know, on a podcast, but there is a picture to accompany this. And you would have no idea that this was Virginia Woolf. Really? They're that good? Very good in a beard. (laughs) Nice. Nice. So what is National Novel Writing Month? Well, in 1999, the writer Chris Beatty started out this incredible project with just 21 participants. Two years later, more than 5,000 people were taking part. In essence... NaNoWriMo is is an event designed to promote writing around the world. Participants sign up to write 50,000 words during the month of November, which averages to about 1,667 words each day. Mm -hmm. And during November, a whole bunch of events are organized by volunteers and they take place uh, locally and online, Um, more online than locally these days with the pandemic and all. These events can include writing sprints. These are where writers convivially try to get the most words written in a set span of time. 
uh, write-ins where writers gather in person or online in a live environment to write together, to chat, eat snacks, and to share pieces of their writing experience. And then there are also some really big parties designed to both like kick off the event and to close the, the month of writing. NaNoWriMo can be a huge commitment, but it can also be an insane amount of fun. Yeah, we've both done the event before. So no, first off, why, why don't we just chat a bit about our experiences with the event? Yeah. So I got a little of a later start than my cohort here. Um, I had not even heard of NaNoWriMo until about 2015. I was living over in England at the time, and the, the job that I had left me with a lot of free time on my hands. So as I was coming up on my 25th birthday, which is the end of October, I decided that year that I was going to do nano. I was going to take it upon myself. I was going to make that 50K mark. And I did, albeit barely. It was <laughs> down to the wire, the last couple of hours of the month, just scrambling to get my last few words in. Every year after that, I struggled to find the inspiration to commit to such a massive workload through the month of November. Uh, that was largely to do with my own desire to win mm -hmm. and falling into the same trap that a lot of others do with, you know, the, the implication that you only win if you hit the 50,000 words. The, my other issue is if I didn't start on November 1st, if I somehow, for whatever reason, missed that mark, then I thought well, I'm never going to be able to catch up. So why even try? Sure. That said, I also never actively participated in all the side activities organized by Nano themselves or by other writers. Mm. Um, as Odin pointed out, you know, there is a lot of write-ins, there are sprints, there are other activities going on. And I would get the daily emails saying, you know, that this is happening in my area and I should check out this coffee shop to group with writers. I just never took the time to do any of that. I largely just ignored them. Now, that's also partially the first year was because I was in a foreign country and I had no idea who or where anything was, but I also <laughs> could have tried. Because of this, Nano and I have a bit of troubled history. Um, I think in future, future iterations, I'd like to be a little bit more active in the community with the write-ins and the sprints. Um, and actually attend the kickoff and closing parties. I've heard those are a lot of fun, <laughs> but are. you know, that's, that's, it's really, that's just me and how I work. You know, I, I do a lot better in group settings, even mm -hmm. if I am solo writing, but I'm with other people, I end up just feeling a, that cohesive group and I end up prospering better, but you know, that that's me shooting myself in my own foot here and not actually going out to seek those. But who knows? Maybe maybe this year I will. Well, I uh, began writing back in 2006, I believe. Um, the first time I managed to hit 50K, though, was in 2008. The last third of that novel was a really weird mess of zombies and just plain nonsense as I tried to write whatever I could to hit the 50K mark. In the years since, I've had some years where I hit 50 and some where I did not. My favorite year was when I was doing an English class and my professor, Marco Giordano, 
told my class that we could do a final assignment with a short story submission. So mm. naturally I wrote 50,000 words. I printed them all out and then I dumped them on his desk. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it was very good, but I did get an A in the class. So it can't have been that bad either. Nice. Uh, I spent a few years after that actually organizing events uh, throughout my county in California. Uh, I gathered people together for write-ins. I sent out inspirational emails. Uh, it was a lot of work, but it was also a huge amount of fun. I think really that was you know the solid precursor to my co-founding of Roundtable Writers. I think the most important thing that I, I want to pass on to anyone who is thinking of doing National Novel Writing Month this year or any other year is that it's not actually about winning. The goal of hitting 50K is a fun way to challenge yourself, and it does help people who need that sort of challenge, but it's not a mandatory thing. You've got to do what you need to do for you. If you write anything during NaNo, and if you connect with your writing community, then you're engaging in the whole point of NaNo. Mm. Community and writing is what it's all about. It's not about hitting the 50K. People who don't complete NaNo often drop out early because they don't realize that the whole point is simply to write what you love, to have fun, and to connect with other writers. All right. So let's take a little break here. And we're going to talk about some of our... Um, Roundtable Writer group that are actually taking part in NaNoWriMo this year. So both Odin and I are participating, as well as Lucas, Diani, and Dan. So Odin, why don't we start with you? Tell us about your project this year. Sure. Uh, yeah, this year I'm continuing work on a novel that I began last year as my MFA thesis. It's a fantasy novel couched in Nordic and Celtic lore, and it concentrates on the adventures of two women who are thrown together across time and space in order to prevent the rise of an ancient evil. Mm. As I record this, I have over 15,000 words freshly added to the draft. Uh, technically, starting with an existing project instead of a fresh one makes me a <laughs> nano-rebel, but I think that's okay. Uh, they even have a badge for it on the site. The important thing is that I only count the fresh words added to my manuscript. Uh, what about yours, Brendan? Mine is called The Unbiased, Unadulterated, Completely Accurate Account of How the World Ended. And it, the description is, in the wake of destruction accidentally engineered by the Council of Olympus, archaeologist Peter Wayfield is hired by a mysterious shadow think tank to determine how best to avoid a potential disaster of this scale in the future. It flows into a world that I built for a multi-authored compilation of stories I worked on actually with Odin called From the Ashes Rise, and this is a continuation of those stories. As of this morning, I have about 3,800 words. So we also went and checked with our other RTW members to get a quick rundown of their projects. Um, so Odin, take us off. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we talked to Lucas. His project is called Regalia of Blood and is about a hardened child soldier who defects from his 16th century era army, cutting through his former brotherhood and powerful battle mages alike to aid the fantastical city under siege and forge a newfound family along the way. And of this morning, he has over 8,000 words in his manuscript. Next, we've got Diani, whose project is called Heart Full of Ghosts. 
which is a story of about the relationship between three girls, one who can see the future, one who can influence the present, and one who can see ghosts. When the one who inf can influence the present dies suddenly, her friends are left unable to interact with the present while they deal with their grief and grow up. As of this morning, she has a little over 10,000 words. And last but not least, we have Dan. Dan's story is called Hamlet and is actually book two of his plethora series. And the logline he gave us is 11-year-old Mason and 78-year-old Rena must travel across plethora to convince Patina, the witch queen of Hamlet, to feed the victorious but starving rebels of Hub. And as of this recording, he has a whopping 17,970 words. As you can see, these projects range from alternate history to sci-fi and high fantasy and have everywhere from 3,800 words to over 18,000 words. But they have one thing in common. They're actually being written. Many of us have really great ideas in our heads, but Nano is there to just give us that push to finally put those down on paper. We will check back with these writers later in the month so we can see how they're all progressing. You know, I actually spoke to Lucas about his project, and he mentioned he wasn't aiming for the 50,000-word goal, but rather just to get the core of his story onto paper, since this is his first attempt at NaNoWriMo. Also, to his credit, he only just, just finished his master's thesis as well, so he's a little spent. So having, but having a clear, concise goal like that and ignoring the 50,000 word mark, he's built himself a truly achievable goal. Well, you know, as I've said, it really doesn't matter if you hit 50K. What matters is putting new words on the page, connecting with your writing communities and having some fun. So getting back to topic here, one issue that comes up for many of us are the holidays. It's nice to sit at your desk in October and think, yeah, I'm going to kick NaNoWriMo's butt and I'm going to do 2,000 words a day. And then Thanksgiving rolls around and suddenly you have no free time. <laughs> you might also have a job or even two jobs or you, possibly you have kids that need attending to or other obligations that need to happen in the month of November. But we're here to tell you that's okay. Don't stress about it. The part of NaNoWriMo that holds most everyone back from participating is the notion of winning if you hit 50,000 words. And while they don't say you lose, it's an assumed implication that because you didn't win. Oh, that's just a load of hooey. The 50,000 marker is arbitrary at best, even at its core. Popular fiction books range from 20,000 words to even 200,000 words, really based in genre. But in truth, it betrays the roots of nano, which is simply to encourage you to write. Having a goal is important. It helps you drive to commit to writing, but using their goal is not important. So make your own. It could be an overall word count. It could be a daily word count goal. It could even be a project goal, such as Lucas's get the core of your story down or even build your fantasy world to completion. Absolutely. There's so much to deal with in life right now, and November is always going to be a busy month for people. What we need to remember to do is offer ourselves a lot of compassion because the struggles we're going through are real. They're valid and important. We've been dealing with massive political upheavals, disastrous climate change, and the de general tension and pain wrought by late-stage capitalism. And 
all during an utterly horrific global pandemic. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a lot to hold, you know? Yeah, it is. And all of this we're trying to do at the same time as we cultivate writing practice and while well, we're trying to connect with friends and families for the holidays. I want to take a quick second here and go over some classic books and their word counts to help paint a picture that no single word count is true for every writer or every story. So let's see here. For instance, Goosebumps, incredibly popular children's series. Each story in the series averages about 23,000 words. Now that's half, less than half, of the NaNoWriMo goal. But if R.L. Stein had been competing in this, would we say, oh, no, you wrote a whole book, but it didn't hit 50,000, so you fail. Like that's, it's, that's a foolish notion. So I also went and uh, grabbed a couple of our, our favorites here. Um, so for instance, Fahrenheit 451, one of my personal favorites, by Ray Bradbury, mm-hmm. has just over 46,000 words. Oh, my actually, my top favorite book ever, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Herb. The great, great book. It has a little over 62,000 words. Um, you know, the entirety of the Chronicles of Narnia, there are seven books in that series. The word count for the entire series is 300,000, 345,000 words total for seven books. Now, book one of the Game of Thrones series, which is actually not the Game of Thrones series, it's the Song of Ice and Fire series. And the first book is called Game of Thrones. That's the common misnomer. But that one book alone has 335,000 words. So there is only 10,000 more words in the entire seven book series of Chronicles of Narnia than there is in the single Game of Thrones book. So there's really no rhyme or reason or pro or con really to have a shorter or longer book. And your, your overall word count really comes down to what's best for your story. I really like hearing that. That's that's really cool. Um, you know, breaking it down that way, I think, is something that can really help people understand where mm-hmm. their work lies on the spectrum. Yeah. Well, I guess it's about that time for us to uh, wrap up the episode. I'd um, really like to end with some tips for those of you out there who are dealing with all of the intense life stuff and November and your nano projects. So the, uh, the main trick, of course, is to write every day. That's all Nano is trying to get you to do anyway. So just set yourself a manageable goal and get that done. Now be proud of yourself for doing whatever works for you. Also remember to challenge yourself as much as possible. Growth does come through challenge. So if your first instinct is to say, well, I can write oh, 300 words a day, maybe what you want to do is write 400 words a day instead. Small pushes like that will make a huge change in your life. I also want to say, share your journey. There's 
uh, a sort of abusive myth about writers that we work best when isolated and alone. That is total bunk. <laughs> Even those of us who are relatively introverted need to connect with community to make progress in our lives. And forming those social connections is a great way to keep you inspired to work on your project as well. Brendan, do you have any tips that you wanna share? You know, I actually talked about this with um, Diani the other day. The words that you write every day, you're, you know, say you have the 300 word a day goal. They don't all need to be amazing. They don't need to totally pertain to your story. Even she has an entire folder that she calls the garbage word folder. That is just words on a page. And sometimes they are total garbage. And sometimes like the, the folder that I have, I have a very similar folder because I get mo these moments of clarity where I have either a, a line or a scene that comes to me in complete and utter clarity that I need to write it down, but it has absolutely sure. nothing to do with the project I'm working on. And so I will write it down and I'll stash it away like a chipmunk for later. <laughs> and I will come back to that now next, you know, the next project or even two or three projects from now, I'm working on something and this scene or this line suddenly works and I can add that in. And so don't discredit when you're trying to hit your 300 words a day or whatever your goal is, that those words need to be stellar. They need to be award-winning words. That's not the point. The point is get the words out. Abso absolutely. Yes, you hit the nail on the head. That, that actually ties in perfectly with a quote that I wanted to end this episode with by uh, Samuel Beckett from his prose poem piece, Worst Word Ho, which is one of the trippiest things that you have ever read. I, I swear, try it one of these days. You will be seeing pink elephants floating in the sky. <laughs> but this one line has been popularized because I think of how true it really feels and how much it captures something innate about doing art in the world. It's simply this. Ever tried? Ever failed? No matter. Try again. Fail again. Fail better. It's a reminder that all our works will be ground down by time, and yet it is the deepest core of our human nature to continue forth and to create anyway, even in the face of all that entropy. So go out there and try fail, try again, and then fail better. Roundtable Radio is brought to you with the generous support of our Ko-fi patrons. If you enjoy our community and the projects we do, please consider donating the price of a monthly coffee by signing up on our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com slash roundtablewriters. Our music is Spring off the 1941 album Folk Songs of the Americas and uploaded to the Internet Archive by the Cali Austin Foundation. Roundtable Radio is made available under the Creative Commons license BYNCSA. This license allows reusers to distribute, remix, adapt, and build upon the material in any medium or format for non-commercial purposes only, and only so long as attribution is given to the creator. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.